Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God that we hear this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. The waves were crashing into the boat. The disciples were afraid that all was lost, and they were about to drown. They were fearful. The first time I ever went rock climbing, proper rock climbing with the harness and the rope and everything, I was a little bit afraid. I was there clinging to the side of that cliff with my body pressed up against it as close as I could, didn't want to look down, moving little by little. Every time I moved up even a little bit further, I would ask my friends to pull that rope tight. Any slackness in that, that rope, and I was afraid that it wasn't holding me and I was going to plummet to my death. I like to feel that, that rope pulling against me so that I, I knew it was there uh, to keep me safe. Finally got to the, the top of the the cliff and looked down and I was maybe five feet off the ground. I was really in no danger at any point, even from the top if I'd fallen I'd probably barely graze my knee, but it sure didn't feel like that when I was climbing up that rock. I was more than a little bit afraid. The disciples were fearful, there's no doubt about that. They felt like their life was in great danger, that they were about to drown. And it's true that the sea and the waves were crashing into the boat. The Bible calls it a great storm. One wonders, however, if it was really as bad as the disciples made it out to be. I mean, after all, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. It's hard to believe he would have been sleeping if the boat was really filled with water and about to capsize over. But it really doesn't matter, does it? How high or low the cliff is, how big the storm is, how much danger there is in reality, or whether it just is perceived danger, in the end, Jesus is in the boat with us. And regardless of the size of the storm or the cliff or the danger, we're never really in any danger when Jesus is by our side. Jesus wakes up and rebukes the wind and the, and the waves. Peace, he says, be still. But he's not just talking to the storm, is he? He's talking to his disciples and to us as well. Peace, be still. There is no danger. 
There is no need to be afraid, because Jesus is with us in the boat. We get caught up often in our lives in these situations that feel like it's the end of the world. Feel like the ground is open beneath us and we're falling without a rope. Feel like we don't know where to turn or where to go. Peace, Jesus says. Be still. I am with you. There is no real danger no matter what it feels like. Sometimes the danger is real and sometimes it's just our perception. Sometimes these situations occur, these situations occur because of our sin and sometimes through no fault of our own. But regardless of the danger, regardless of the fault, Jesus is with us to forgive our sins if it's our fault, to help us and be with us regardless. The light of his mercy shines through those storms of, in our life to bring us that peace that he speaks to us in, in our text. Jesus was asleep on the boat, on the bottom of the boat. And this is certainly part of what bothered the disciples greatly. Because it seemed to them as if Jesus didn't even care about them. Teacher, they say, do you not care that we are perishing? Why are you asleep on the bottom of the boat when we're going through this great ordeal? Very often when we feel like everything's failing, like our life is falling apart around us, part of the problem is we also feel alone. As though nobody else cares. And even often as though Jesus himself doesn't care. Why aren't you helping? Why aren't you listening? We say to him in our thoughts, if not with our actual words. We're not alone in those feelings, are we? The Psalms are full of the people of God crying out to God, Why are you sleeping? Why aren't you delivering us? Why aren't you helping us? Psalm 44, verse 23 through 25 is exactly such an example. Awake! Why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise! Do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your, your face? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? Our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our body clings to the ground. That psalm sounds exactly like the disciples in our text, doesn't it? Don't you care that we're perishing, God? Why won't you awake? Why won't you answer our prayers? Nobody has ever suffered the way I am suffering. Why won't you do something, God? Psalm 77 also is another example. Will the Lord cast us off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has he forgotten to be gracious? Has his anger shut up his tender mercies? Again and again throughout the history of God's people, we, from outward appearances, it seems to us often as though God is sleeping, as though he doesn't care. And yet Psalm 77 continues in verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Does Jesus really not care? Does God really not care? Of course he does. Of course he cares. 
There is no one who cares more. And the psalmist takes us takes a minute. He stops from his worry and his proclamation against God. Why aren't you listening? He takes a minute to stop and think and remember, to look back. I'm going to look back at all the mercies of God. I'm going to look back at what he's done in the past. At this moment, in the storm, clinging to the rock face, it might seem like God doesn't care. But if I take a moment to look back and remember all that he has done, I know for sure he does. The disciples are particularly without excuse in their attitude, aren't they? Because they had seen firsthand God's tender mercy. How many times have they seen Jesus staying up late, missing food and meals, and continuing to work and labor, continuing to talk even late into the night with Nicodemus, or staying up late to heal somebody? It was the disciples who tried to stop the little children from coming to him, and Jesus rebuked them. Do not stop them. Let them come to me. How many times in the Gospels doesn't it say that Jesus was moved with compassion? They had witnessed Jesus' mercy over and over again. They had seen very vividly how much Jesus does care. It was so foolish of the disciples to think that just because Jesus was asleep, he didn't care. And yet, we often have that same foolish tendency to think that because he isn't answering our prayers immediately, because he isn't doing things the way we think he ought to, that he must not care about us. We take a stop, we take a minute to stop and look back on our lives, take a minute to stop and look back on the history of God's people, you see very clearly that Jesus is the only one who does care far more than anyone else could. And above all, the proof of his mercy is that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That light of his mercy does indeed shine through the darkness of the storms of our life to give us peace. The peace to know that no matter what we're going through, no matter what it seems to us in the moment, we're not in any real danger. Christ is with us in the boat. How is it that Jesus responds to the fears of the disciples and their cry of distress? He acknowledges their fear, doesn't he? He doesn't belittle them or make fun of them for it. He deals with the situation the storm is nothing to him. He knows that there is no real danger, and yet, because of their fear and worry, he tells the wind and the waves to be calm, to be still, in order that his people might have peace. He acknowledges their fear because he deals with the situation, and then he calls on them, next time, trust. Don't be so quick to jump to the conclusion that I don't care. In the storms of his life, remember my mercy. You know, speaking of somebody sleeping in a boat during a storm, there's another account, another story from Scripture of a man who did the same thing. The prophet Jonah. Perhaps you remember how he tried to flee from the presence of God, and as he was on his way to Tarshish, a great storm rose up, and the sailors, just like the disciples, thought that the ship was going to perish, that they were going to perish at sea, and they found Jonah asleep 
in the bowels of the boat. Now there's no doubt that Jonah had his problems, but little faith or lack of faith was not one of them. When we look at the life of Jonah and consider what he did, we see just how great his faith and his trust in God was. Certainly we shouldn't try to flee from God's presence like Jonah did. Nevertheless, he is an example to us of trusting God in each and every situation regardless of the danger. <coughs> there he was sleeping peacefully in the boat even though it was being tossed back and forth even through the storm trusting that God would take care of him even while he was trying to flee from the presence of God. He is still trusting God. And when the sailors drew Lot to see whose fault the storm was and the lots fell on Jonah, by faith he stood up and said, Toss me into the sea and the storm will end. That took great faith. And he was afraid of being tossed in the sea. He thought he was going to die. But it took great faith to, to trust that once he was thrown into the sea, the storm would end just like that. And then he went and he preached the word of God to Nineveh. He walked through the city of Nineveh, one of the evilest people that have ever lived, and told them how evil they were and that God's judgment was coming down upon them. That surely took great faith and trust in God, didn't it? Imagine going into the presence of Hitler and Stalin and rebuking them and telling them of their sin and warning them of God's judgment. I don't think any one of us would leave such a a house such an audience alive. And yet here Jonah goes proclaiming God's wrath against the people of Nineveh. All these things show Jonah's faith, but I think the greatest example of his faith, of his trust in God, is the very reason that he fled from God's presence. Jonah himself tells us in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, I fled to Tarshish. Why? Because I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. The reason that Jonah fled and did not want to go to Nineveh was because he knew the power of God's word. He knew that if he preached God's word to the people of Nineveh, they would repent. And he knew that if they repented, the greatness of God's mercy would relent and forgive them and not bring his punishment upon them. And he wanted the people of Nineveh to receive God's judgment. So great was his faith in God's word and in God's mercy that he did not want to go to Nineveh because he didn't want God to be merciful to them. It's true, Jonah had a problem. He had an attitude problem, but he also had great faith in God's word and in God's compassion and in his mercy. He's an example to us as well that in the dangers of this life to trust God's mercy, to let that mercy, that compassion shine through the storms, to know that even if it appears to us as if God is doing nothing, his compassion has not failed us. It's not that he doesn't care. Why is your faith so small, Jesus says to the disciples and to us? 
that you do not trust in my power or in my compassion. When the troubles of this life overwhelm us, when it appears to us like we're drowning or that the earth has opened beneath us, when it appears as though Jesus is neither listening nor cares to us, about us, remember. Remember God's mercy to the people of Nineveh, even such a wicked people. God forgave them and relented from the destruction he had planned to bring on them. Remember God's mercy to the people in the scripture, how often he was moved with compassion even for the greatest sinner among them and the smallest among them. Remember all that Jesus has done in your own life. And above all, remember how he stretched out his arms to die for you. Do not be unbelieving, but trust in his mercy, in his compassion, that he has not forgotten you, that he has not forsaken you, that he is with you in the boat. Peace, says Jesus. Be still, be calm. Peace, he speaks to our hearts. His mercy shines through the storms of our life to give our hearts his peace. Amen.